It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Welcome to Out of the Blue from Maze and Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network, the podcast that once caused Suge Knight to call the police. I am Jared Stormer of mazeandbrew.com. With me again after a brief hiatus is my hetero life mate, Andy Bailey, also of mazeandbrew.com. Andy, you ferocious Eastern European Casanova. Welcome back, brother. How are you? I am doing well, man. It's good to be back on United States soil, and I'm really looking forward to no longer streaming football games at 2.30 in the morning from airports in Eastern Europe. Paying a dollar a text for us to talk about Josh Ross's improvement. I haven't seen my bill yet, and I kind of don't want to, but whatever it is, it was worth it. Worth it. Well, beers are on me in Ann Arbor next weekend, my friend, so fear not. But man, good to have you back. I'm excited we finally get to talk about football, an actual football game. Um, And what an experience it was. What are your overall thoughts about that 31-10 beatdown at the big house on Saturday night? Firstly, let's just start with the exterior of it. Everybody online was clamoring all week for the Michigan fans to come out there, do their part, bring the home field advantage, and they absolutely did. I haven't seen the big house that electric maybe since 2013, Notre Dame, I'm thinking. Even the night games of recent weren't have had this level of energy. Just everybody in maze, everybody on their feet. The atmosphere was amazing. And starting the game off with the delay of game and then the huge Josh Ross hit just set the tone. That was incredible. I mean, I was running around jumping, especially when you wait all day and then that's how it starts. You're like, oh my God, look at the energy. And I so wish I could have been in there, but you could just feel it even just watching it that that place was on a different level and absolute props to the Michigan athletic department, the university, and then for sure the fans 
because that like played a role. I mean, right off the bat, as you said, I mean, you open the, the game with that delay of game. Josh Ross comes in and sets the tone and and we were off and running and that physicality and that environment that that really was, you know, two of the, the big part the components of that win. It was great, man. And Michigan fans and fans themselves always cannibalize and yell at each other and criticize. And I think it's also important to give the opposite. Like, let's have the optimism here. The fans did a good job. Pat yourself on the back. Don't listen to the 10% minority or Michigan State fans that are just a little salty about it all. The atmosphere was amazing, and it was nice to have a real, legitimate home field advantage again. Yes, and if every game were like that, I mean, you're talking about one of the top five stadiums in the country, but... Like I said uh, last week, the night games there, they're just different. And why can't we have a night game against Ohio State? Who cares if it's negative two degrees? To hell with tradition. Dude, I, I, I want to agree because of the atmosphere, but God, I hate night games. Noon is when football is to be played. I'm sorry, that is what God intended. And like Night games are awful. I'm going to sit around all day and wait on it. I want to get up at six and start drinking. Like, come on. <laughs> you can still get up at six and start drinking. There's no rule against that. You have a point. But it's, it's more frowned upon if I'm sitting in a Denny's at 8.30 already drunk in the right. games in 12 hours. <laughs> Yelling for more maple syrup from Denise. <laughs> exactly. So it's nice. Hopefully we can bring that atmosphere to a, Mich- a Michigan-Ohio State game this year all by at noon. Yes. All right. I'm with you, man. All right. So uh, let's talk a little bit about this game. I, I mean, we're not going to give the, the breakdown, but the physicality, that's where I want to start. Let's let's give some shout outs to uh, Sharon Moore, who I didn't shout out last week because I think it started up on the, the offensive front and back to back weeks. We're now the number four or number five rushing team in the nation, depending on if you're going yards per carry or yards per game. It's uh, it, it's been a dominant start and I want to start up there at the front. You and I talked off air. I think the offensive line is the single best unit on this team. Like two weeks in, there's not been a hole. They're at least six deep guaranteed. Harbaugh says they go as deep as eight and just inserted their will all game long. Andrew Vestardis becoming just the dominant force in the middle is something even me, the most optimistic Vestardis fan, didn't see coming this season. Nobody ever sees the year six leap because it just doesn't really exist. So no, um, you know, he was one of my big question marks coming into the season, but I did say, if you hit on him and he improves, you're going to have a really good offensive line. And lo and behold, this looks like one of the better offensive lines that we've had in recent years. So props to Sharon Moore. I think we absolutely at least go six, seven deep in this game. You saw a, a lot of Trevor Keegan. He played 70 snaps. Uh, Hayes and Stuber played 70 snaps. You get 62 from Zinter. Um, and then Filiaga's there as a guy that you can trust now. So they can rotate in bodies. They're huge up front. They love what they've got with Zinter. Offensive lineman of the game in this in this one was Stuber. Hayes looked great. Best artist looks great. It's uh, it's definitely, I would say right now, the uh, the, the best unit on the team. And just think about the leadership Vast Artist brings. He got there for the 2016 season. He's literally seen everything Harbaugh and this team and culture and program have to offer. So to see him come out on the other side of this with everything, all the leadership he brings to that unit, I don't think can be accurately measured. I'm with you, man. And that leads right into probably the next best group on the team, and that's the running backs now. As I mentioned, those running those stats, Blake Corum leads the nation in all-purpose yards. Uh, what more do you want to know at this point? I mean, there's some people that were a little upset we weren't passing more in this game. I think that's preposterous. I think if you can run the ball, it does all the obvious things 
you know, that we wish that we, they would have done against Michigan State in the monsoon when they were passing. And we're like, why, why are you passing? You go to your strengths. And uh, especially with Ronnie Bell being out right now and Cade McNamara needing time to adjust to his new wide receiver group, this was the exact right call. And, I mean, when you can dominate on the ground, you do it. Yeah, and this isn't a game to experiment and ha- and diversify the offense just for the sake of change. You know, it's working. Keep it going. And the game coming up this next week is a game where you can really experiment with the pass offense. Why, if something's working, why change just to change? Let's let's win the game. Absolutely. And also, Trent McDuffie is potentially a first round cornerback. This is maybe the best or second best secondary we'll see in our schedule. And Ronnie Bell just went out. So why would you be chucking the ball over the field with untested wide receivers when they're just giving you 6.9 yards per carry? They're just giving it to you. Take it. It's almost like a game at recess when one team's dominating the other one by running the ball and they're just like sitting there yelling at you. Oh, well, you won't pass it. You won't pass it. You won't pass. It's like, you're right. You can run the ball down your throat. (laughs) Absolutely. Imagine like if you were playing Madden, how annoying that would be if you were playing somebody and you knew that every time they were going to run it, and they still could do it. You'd probably rage quit. Yeah, you'd have to. I bet Washington wanted to rage quit at times. That opening drive in the second half, not one pass play, and people were upset. It's like, you scored a touchdown and just established dominance over them. (laughs) Why change this? I loved it. (laughs) Yeah, I loved it. Um, All right, before we get to the defense, how about special teams? Special shout-out to Jay Harbaugh and this special teams unit coming out of the gates in both of our first games against Western Michigan and against Washington. long punt returns kick returns we haven't missed a field goal or an extra point brad robbins has been incredible on on punts in this one the uh the fake punt which led to the blake quorum 67 yard touchdown special teams have been incredible and uh just heard this on the john jansen podcast we rank in the top five nationally in five different special teams categories so special shout out to that group which looks outstanding yeah, and Jake Moody kicking the ball from the moon right dead center. Like, in that environment, to build the confidence, what that does. In years past, we missed that. It breaks the momentum, breaks the rhythm of the game, and we're still in the dogfight. Yeah, that was huge, and uh, that is going to be so big to have somebody that you can rely upon. When he lined up for that, I was like, this is a deep kick. I, I told my roommate, I was like, he's probably not going to make this from what I know from Jake Moody. And what I knew about Jake Moody was wrong. So we can, when we get to the next section of this, uh, what I was wrong about, I was wrong about Jake Moody's leg strength because that, you're right. That was good from 65. Yeah, that was a bomb. And Jay Harbaugh on the podcast said, well, Moody said he would have hit it from 70. So I'm like, that's the confidence I want from our kicker. And also special shout out to Michael Barrett, who lost his starting position on the defense, but he was the one that carried the ball in that fake punt, stayed ready, got a huge momentum swinging uh, play in this game and I love seeing guys like that they still find a place on the team to make an impact absolutely yeah you love that he's still finding a way to contribute so props to him Um, also I think we've seen him on defense a little bit too and seen him run the ball so trying to carve out a role Uh, Caden Colasar was taking punt returns in this one little shaky on that there's some talk that maybe AJ Henning comes in there Uh, he's he's young and they definitely usually like guys that are a little bit more seasoned but that would give you a little bit more pop in the return game. So I'm hopeful that A.J. Henning can develop to the point that he's reliable first, but then a little bit more deadly, you know, once he does catch the ball. Yeah, it's 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 the one position on the team that really needs sorted out more than the others. And I'm sure Colzar's look good in practice. He just looked a little green, a little nervous, some more reps. Uh, you know, maybe not taking some of the first, like, 
single putt return duties uh, in a maze out against Washington on national television would help. Yeah. So this is a very easy two-game stretch for Michigan coming up, easiest of the year. So this is the time to figure things out. Yes, we have some time both with uh, wide receivers for someone to step up and punt returning for someone to step up. Might be the same guy. So, uh, all right, let's move to the defense. And defense in this one, we already mentioned the Josh Ross on the first play. Aiden Hutchinson, man, I said it to you. You're not quite there yet. I think he's the best defensive end of the Harbaugh era. Um, you, I, I think that he's Winovich combined with Gary, and he's doing this with nobody across from him to draw double teams. He's doing it against double teams. He's on pace right now for, I think, 24 sacks and 12 forced fumbles. Um, obviously, that's not going to happen. That would be the single most dominant year in history of college football. But he is an absolute game wrecker, and they had no answer for him with their first round projected left tackle, mind you, in this. Yeah, and he was doing this a lot in max protect situations against seven. And the fact that Aiden Hutchinson and the front four, the front four is playing very well together. G- uh, Jeter, Hinton, Mozzie Smith had an excellent game. Ojabo is really starting to flash. Upshaw coming in. So the guys are really coming together as a unit. But you're right, Aiden Hutchinson is the best best defensive player in the Big Ten. I say that with all, with confidence. Today, CBS Sports came out with the updated mock draft. They have him going number two to the Lions. So uh, I think the word's getting around about how good he is. I think he could be the best defensive end Michigan's had in the hardball era, probably the best since Brandon Graham. I just need to see the rest of the season first. because For sure. Chase Winovich is my guy, especially for those two years. <laughs> I totally get it, and I, this is not anti-Chase Winovich talk. This is pro-Aiden Hutchinson talk. Um, I mean, he he does it all out there, and this defense will be as good as he allows them to be. He is the most essential player probably on this entire team. Um, you know, him and Corum are, are really the guys that carry the mouthpiece on either side of the ball, at least right out of the gates, so... I, I'm, I watch him every single play, and I just can't take my eyes off him when he's on the field, man. And a, f- a forced fumble in each game and just violent, violent hits. So, um, yeah, and, and I like some of the other guys that you mentioned there. I think Mozzie Smith and David Ojabo starting to rise above some of the other ones. They, they played really well in this one. Um, anybody in the secondary that you want to shout out? Dax Hill continues just to be all over the place. The way he diagnosed the Giles Jackson, <clears throat> excuse me, reverse and came up and laid the wood there and brought him back inside was Beautiful. just amazing. And it felt good to watch him hit Giles Jackson around a little bit after, you know, transferring from the program and saying some unkind things on the way out. So that was fun to see. Yes, I also enjoyed that. He was talking a lot of smack. They were talking it back. The fans were giving it to him. Um, yeah, definitely. It's weird. Some of the vibes not to uh, digress too far here, but the, the vibes surrounding Giles Jackson, Zach Charbonnet and Joe Milton and all of their different transfers and McCaffrey, like people seem to love Charbonnet and are all about his success. They wish nothing but, you know, losses on Giles Jackson and Joe Milton, but it's, it's about how you go. It's not, it's not necessarily if you go, you know, we get it, you get beat out, but Maybe leave with some class, Giles Jackson. So that's what happens when you uh, when you talk bad about the program and choose a team that's on the schedule thinking you're going to come into the big house and steal one. Sorry, buddy. Wasn't happening. <laughs> exactly. Enjoy 0-2 for right now. Um, the secondary was good. This whole defense is coming together. You can tell they're still raw, getting, getting used to the new scheme. And they said it best on the broadcast, actually. It's a very 
improvisation, improvisational, it's a hard word to say, uh, scheme where you can adapt and adjust on the fly, very pro style. So it's going to take some time to rely on your instincts when you've just been assignment-based under Don Brown the last few years. So they're growing, they're getting better. I like how they always kind of seem to ratchet down in the red zone, a very kind of bend, don't break vibe there. And it just seems like a nice, complete unit. There's not like one area where I'm terrified of. I'm not like, oh, God, they're throwing the ball. Oh, no, they're running the ball. And even when the freshman corner gets beat in the end zone, just, just got flat out beat. So who's the first guy there to comfort him and bring him back? Aiden Hutchinson. Meets him in the end zone, comforts him, lets him know. This defense seems together and cohesive. There's no more Vincent Gray just got beat again. Everyone leaves him alone and walks away. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with you there. They seem together. They seem to be on the same page. They're excited to play for each other, excited to play under McDonald. And they're getting better each week. I mean, this week they were better than they were against Western. And, you know, by the time they actually scored a touchdown in this, I wasn't too afraid of, of Washington actually making a, a legitimate comeback with the way that they were really struggling to move the ball against us. So, you know, like you said, nice two-game stretch here, a lot to improve upon. Uh, before we get into our next segment, got to take a moment to talk about our sponsors over at Homefield Apparel. Out of Indianapolis, the incredibly comfortable, affordable sportswear brand with the most comprehensive selection of college apparel in the game right now. Whether you're a college basketball, college football fan, if you like the new school or the old school, they've got you covered with this selection. And man, the comfort level. We're getting into hoodie season. I highly recommend finding yourself a hoodie from Home Field. You can get 20% off your first purchase with MNB at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. All right. I want to get into a little bit of what we've been doing the first three weeks here. What do you know about this team after two games? What do you think you know? And what do you still need to see before you believe it? So give me something that you absolutely know about this team after two weeks. Michigan will have 100 yards rushing in every game this season. Ooh, I absolutely love that. I don't see how they couldn't. Um, they're at like I think it's six fifty-seven rush yards, and uh, if everything holds true, they'll go over a thousand yards team rushing in the third game of the season this year. Uh, I do not have the stats on when the last time we have done that has been, but it's been a while. Uh, my my guess would be probably before even Fitz Toussaint, who was the last thousand yard rusher we have. So, no, oh, Karan, Karan, yeah. Karan did it. Yeah, yeah. So, but even that season, we did not go over a thousand yards in our first three games. So, I'm with you. I think that we know that. And that goes into what we were talking about with the offensive line and the running backs. Um, so, I'll just echo that and say, I think we know the offensive identity of this team. This, this team is getting back to what they did in the early days of Jim Harbaugh, which, you know, we said we are fickle fans, we're owning it. You know, because we all wanted them to air it out more and become more like the Alabamas, but that wasn't really working. And we don't necessarily have the ability to do that. So I think the offensive identity is, is, being, uh, is being established here. And you have to start it on the ground. Even the Alabamas and the Ohio States who aired the ball out now, they all, all their success begins on the ground. It opens up everything. You see the Dobbins, the Najee Harrises. And you look at this past week in Ohio State couldn't run the ball. What happened? They became one-dimensional passing, playing catch-up, and they lost. So if you can establish it first on the ground, at least be respected consistently, that's going to open up the rest of the offense. It's so much easier to go from playing bully ball to mixing in finesse than playing finesse ball and then trying to be a bully. It just doesn't happen that way. Yep. I've got one more thing I know this week, and then if you've got another one, feel free to, feel free to throw it in. I know that we have solid depth along this defensive line. 
Um, I was mentioning last week, I'm not exactly sure who the next guy is after Aiden Hutchinson, but I saw enough from Smith, Hinton, Ojabo to know that they're solid there. That's a solid four. And then the amount of other guys that they played here, um, the amount of snaps that these other guys got on defense in this game, we got 33 snaps from my boy, Junior Colson. Not talking about the line right now, but we're going to talk about him. 32 from Ojabo, 27 snaps from Mike Morris, 27 from Upshaw, 24 from Jalen Harrell, who's a redshirt freshman, uh, 21 from Chris Jenkins, who I believe is a true freshman. You got 17 from Don Jeter, 10 from Julius Welshoff. You get the point. They're going deep. They're getting guys touches, and they like several guys on the defensive line. Now we'll see which one becomes a star, but they have to like their depth there. You have to, and this is great because when you're going to play teams that want to go tempo against you, you're not going to get worn down. You can keep mixing in fresh bodies, get them in and off the field. But this is also a reason why Mozzie Smith had the conditioning so he could stay on the field more and be that anchor and be a little more fit, stout, and agile inside this defense. The way this line has come together as a comprehensive unit, I think, speaks the way the defensive has as a whole. Like, there's not just like a single weak point you point out and be like, oh man, that's a 70% drop off. It's just, it's all marginal. Like, nobody's Aiden Hutchinson. But the next guy on the line isn't uh, isn't me or you helping them out, you know? Right. There's not just an, a, a big drop off next to Mo Hurst or anybody like that. So it's nice to see that all tides are rising in the defense and to your point along the line. Yeah, and I would say right now, um, you know, put this in things I think I know. Camp, I think Mozzie Smith and Chris Hinton is an upgrade over Carlo Kemp, Don Jeter as your as your defensive tackles, or last year's Chris Hinton and and Carlo Kemp. They, they appear to be acquitting themselves well thus far. Yeah, they're just put in a scheme where they're allowed to succeed. Like, they're playing to their strengths anymore. They're, like I said, they're not putting a square peg in a round hole anymore. They're, right. let, they're letting it fit. So kudos to McDonald. One more thing I know, this will be – this is the best complete special teams Michigan's had under Jim Harbaugh. Okay. I was- to kicking to re- returning all of that together because kicking has been a woe throughout all of it. Punting has been inconsistent. Look back to Blake O'Neill returns have been pretty consistent there. Uh, DPJ's first year in 17 was a little rough, but all in all, there's not a weak point on those special teams and they're going to just get better from here. I like that. I had that as my first things. I think I know only reason I'm sticking with that is, you know, we've seen Nordine start the season off, you know, like gangbusters and then fall off. I don't think that Jake Moody is the head case that Nordine is. So I already like Jake Moody being there. And the fact that he drilled that 50 yarder, you know, gives me insane confidence. I trust Robbins. I trust the punt coverage team, the kick coverage teams. I love Blake Corum returning kicks. The only reason I won't go fully there is we got to see who steps up for Ronnie Bell returning punts. You know, that that's a big phase of the game. And, you know, if you're turning it over there or giving up 10 yards of field position each time, that can that can set the whole unit back. So once I see who steps up there, I'll be with you. For now, that's something I think I know. Also, give inject all of Ronnie Bell on the sidelines, yelling at the receivers and yelling at players into me. That is, I can, he's going to come back next year because everybody gets that extra year of eligibility. Praise God. And God, I love Ronnie Bell. <laughs> Yep, I'm with you. <laughs> Just had to get that off my chest. Hey, uh, I'm with you. All right, anything else uh, now that we're on things you think you know? Things I think I know. I think Cade McNamara is still an above-average passer. Ah, I'm glad you went there. Uh, I went in on it last week on the solo pod where I was basically saying, can you tell me right now he's not an above-average Big Ten quarterback? 
I'm not bailing on that because of what I saw against Washington. Uh, he took two deep shots. One was caught by Cornelius Johnson back shoulder where he had to adjust to the ball. I believe that was intentional. The it other looked throw, intentional. It looked intentional to me. Uh, the other throw was to Roman Wilson where he threw it out and under where Roman Wilson could kind of lay out and only he could get it. And the cornerback made an incredible play. Like I said, this is one of the best, if not the best secondary that we'll see all year long. So I'm not going to overreact and say I still don't think Cade McNamara is the guy. I think he could still be an above-average quarterback once he gets to time to develop with these new receivers. I think the big thing for Cade is to develop a rapport with Eric All and kind of work inside out like Jake Rudock did with Jake uh, with uh, Jay Booty. So like start there, work your way out, develop that rapport, and then open up things on the outside with what would have been your Chessons and your Darbos. I think Eric All is going to have a big game very soon. And we saw the flashes of it against Western. And I think if he can get there with some underneath routes and the concepts Michigan was running in the passing game were excellent, but tip balls brought him down a little bit, rattled by some of the pressure. So you know, don't let one game define his whole season. And you know, I think he's going to be fine. I think he's still a better passer than Shea Patterson was, especially deep. Yes, yes, I still hold true to that. And even with the limited selection size in this one, it looked pretty good. Um, something I think I know. I think that the hiring of Mike Hart and Sharon Moore were more important than the hiring of Josh Gaddis. I believe with what I'm seeing right out there right now that the, the Josh Gaddis speed and space offense is kind of taking a back seat to the physicality and more so what they wanted to do um, initially under Jim Harbaugh. And that's not a bad thing. It's not anti-Gaddis. I just think that when, when it all came down to it and the chips were on the table, Jim Harbaugh was like, look, if this is going to be my defining year, we're doing what I want to do and we're running my, my offense the way I want to see it. I just feel like Harbaugh's footprints are really back on this offense and the Hart and Sharon Moore hires are, are kicking it into the next gear. Well, this is Harbaugh in the new contract. He has to win to get more money and be paid. And we talked about this all offseason, rebuilding the culture. His name is on this. Like, there's no one else to blame. You can't get a new coaching staff, can't get the new players. Like, this is all on you. And it seems like he's really owned the accountability. And there's a reason Sharon Moore was promoted to offensive line coach and co-offensive coordinator. He's bringing all this physicality in there. He's an excellent offensive line coach. My goodness. Yeah. What he's done, what the room is talking about with how his style. I think it meshes well with younger men like this. Like, there's not a disconnect, no generational gap, none of that. And yeah, you're right. This is Jim Harbaugh's fingerprints all over everything, but we can't overlook the importance of Sharon Moore. And obviously, Mike Hart, the energy he's bringing and the respect he commands. Like, I think this weekend we could potentially have three running backs break 100 yards. I would not so. be surprised. I would not be surprised. Maybe, maybe Donovan Edwards gets some carries in this one. I think they're maybe trying to preserve his red shirt. That's what it seems like. But I think a second half of this game, if things go according to plan, Donovan Edwards could get extensive run and really add to that total. And the flashes we've seen of them have been excellent. But yeah. the Mike Hart hire, we knew was going to be a home run. But Sharon Moore, I had no idea how important he was to the program till this year. Yes, absolutely. And that was not an anti-Gaddis no. saying. It was just, I think that these guys mean more to the program right now. So um, anything else you think you know before we go to things you need to see to believe? To carry on from the last point, I think... As of right now, if things are continuing this way with the team is going and they, they drop you know three or four games, however the schedule shakes out, I think Jim Harbaugh is doing some of his finest coaching of his Michigan tenure this season. 
I love that. We kind of talked about that off air um, to rebound from last season. I mean, that was as bad as it can get. It's as bad as we've ever seen it at Michigan. Uh, people were down in the dumps. Like there was just no energy and to see the, the culture on the yeah. sidelines and how much they're enjoying it and how much they're having fun that alone, like I, I think is a big win. So yeah, he's, he's doing a tremendous job thus far two and zero in the season. Yep. Can't knock him there and we'll see how the rest of it goes. So that's why it's only what we think right now. Yes. Uh, things you need to see to believe. I've got one. Um, you know, it kind of goes into the things we think we know, um, but it's more about the receivers. I need to see more from the receivers to believe that they are going to be enough to let Cade McNamara rise to be what he could be. Uh, they need to get some more separation. Someone needs to step up, whether it be Cornelius Johnson, AJ Henning, whoever. So just need to see a little more out of them. I'm not knocking them yet. You know, this Ronnie Bell went out last week and they were expecting CJ to be your number two. And then, you know, you kind of get those other guys when you can. Now everybody shifts up. So uh, give them time to shift up. I think Dalen Baldwin's going to become more involved, but just need to see more. I'm with you there from our, earlier in our conversation. I need to see more from the punt return group. Just just get a consistent guy back there that can, you know, make plays. Obviously, firstly, secure the ball, but can be a little bit more dynamic. And I still need to see a little bit more from the corners. Like, I've loved the way they're playing. They're playing much better than last season. And a few of the sacks in this game, if you're watching, are coverage sacks. Like, when they had a max protect with seven and Hutchinson gets there, it takes a while to get there. But yep. That's because of the coverage. So Absolutely. They played well with the slants by dropping a linebacker and everything. Like, the schemes are great. I just need to see just a little bit more from the corners so I can get there. But, I mean, shout out to Vincent Gray, Gamon Green. All these guys are playing much better. And it's, it's, it's easy to play much better when you're not just exposed to playing your flaws, you know? Absolutely. Yep. And with the pass rush being improved, that's helping too. So it's a little bit of chicken and egg there that, yeah. you know, but on the play that you're talking about, I absolutely agree. It was a coverage sack. Um, yeah, they just, yeah, just a little bit more from those guys, like, cause it, teams are going to get better, especially like the Penn States, the Ohio States, the Indiana's like, those are the teams we really need. And obviously Michigan, and Michigan State. State. Michigan State, State Reed, yeah. and those players. So, yeah, those are the games we really need to see it from them. Uh, I need to see to believe turnovers. Uh, I think we need to start forcing some more turnovers on defense, kind of going into that, whether it's in the secondary um, or whether we're recovering some of these Aiden Hutchinson forced fumbles. I believe the fumble that he forced in this last game was on fourth down, so it didn't yeah. matter. Yeah, it didn't matter that they didn't recover it. Uh, but we are going to need those, like you said, against the Wisconsin's, Penn State's, Michigan State's, and Ohio State's of the world. So, uh, as of right now, we have not forced a turnover, I don't believe. I don't think we've forced a turnover yet, except turnovers on downs. There's no interceptions. The forced fumble by Hutchinson in week one was recovered by the offense. So yeah, zero, zero. We haven't for, haven't turned it over. Haven't and turned haven't it over, haven't forced it. So, yep. I mean, should be easy to get on the right side of that. Force a couple turnovers this weekend and start uh, getting your hands on the ball. So, uh, yep, more, more turnovers, better play by the secondary, uh, punt returner, and – you know, a little bit better play by the wide receivers, and we're cooking with gas. Yeah, not much. And the things we're talking about aren't, like, glaring issues. Like I said, receivers have been fine, and I anticipate them to get better. Their leader just went out. The secondary has been playing admirable. But saying we just need a little bit more from them heading into the – as we get into conference play coming up in a few weeks. And I think the turnovers, honestly, is the biggest thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. All right, uh, that's a good place for us to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we are going to preview Northern Illinois – we're going to look around the Big Ten a little bit. We've got uh, NFL that just kicked off, so there's some Pro Blue to talk about. So a lot more coming up when we come back right after this. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. All right, welcome back to Out of the Blue. In the second half of this, we are looking forward to Northern Illinois and looking around the Big Ten, some pro blue. Where do you want to start, man? There's just football back. We got a lot to cover here. It feels good. Uh, let's go ahead and continue the college conversation and talk about what happened in the Big Ten. I mean, I'm sure there's not too much to talk about. There were no big upsets slightly down the road. Yeah, I mean, just one may be worth mentioning while we're on the topic, and that would be uh, the Oregon Ducks, who just gained a fan in myself, uh, <laughs> taking down Ohio State uh, and really just creating some disarray down in Columbus that makes me feel warm inside, like I just drank whiskey and hot chocolate. At the same time, of course, because yeah. we spike it here and yeah. out of the blue. And it was just such a it's such a weird reaction to losing a game by a touchdown, I believe, at the end of it. So it was mm-hmm. not like a blowout. And their defense seems to be in shambles right now with Ryan Day trying to super glue all the pieces back together. Yeah, the uh, Kerry Coombs hire was kind of questioned, and now there's some rumblings around about Kerry Coombs and what the level of confidence in him as a defensive coordinator is. And if I were taking the uh, the bets right now, and I am a betting man, I would bet he probably does not finish the season as the defensive coordinator. They need to start riding the ship immediately. Um, Oregon, probably one of the better offenses that they're going to face throughout the year. You know, they do have to face Penn State. I am not sh- sold on Sean Clifford. I'm not really as sold on Penn State as a lot of other people are, but we'll see more about them this week against Auburn. But just great to start your day with an Ohio State loss and end it with a Michigan victory. That was as good as it gets for me. As Michigan fans, we frequently question the existence of God. And the week started with Tom Brady winning on Thursday night football in a banger. And then Ohio State loses, and then Michigan wins. Yeah, that was about as good as it gets. Uh, you know, the Lions, <laughs> the Lions and the Browns lost, but whatever. I mean, I, at this point, I'm more about following my Michigan guys than I am any one particular NFL team, anyway. So, I was absolutely here for it. Um, you know, from this point on, uh, what, who's Ohio State got next after this? I know it gets a little easier for them before they even get into the uh, Big Ten schedule. Yeah, this was the harder one for them. The other notable non-conference this weekend are Michigan State travels to Miami. You already touched on Penn State gets Auburn. So it'll be nice to see everybody else kind of get the rest of their like non-conference games in before you get into the heart of the schedule. Yeah, we're going to learn a lot about both Penn State and Michigan State, who are you know obviously upcoming opponents for us. Michigan State looks competent, and I hate that. 
I really like of all the teams that I just want to be bottoming out that that's one of them, but they're going to play good defense and they're going to be able to run the ball like, like they always do. And Penn state, I, like I said, I don't buy Sean Clifford, but I'm buying that defense. So I'm not necessarily sold on Auburn yet. And it's going to be a whiteout, but those are two games that I'll definitely be watching closely this weekend. It'll be great. We're going to watch uh, Michigan thrash Northern Illinois drive on back to Toledo and drink a lot of beer and watch, uh, Hopefully Miami win, and I'll probably pull for Penn State against Auburn. Yeah, it would be it would be good to see. It's better for Michigan's resume as well. Yeah. And again, we got to double down. We're going to be in Ann Arbor this weekend, so find us. We'll be the loud guys yelling somewhere in a parking lot over like Jordan Kovacs' like tackles or something like that. Just yeah. don't get me started on the Dilio slide, okay? And uh, <laughs> so no, no, it's going to be a lot of good football to watch this weekend to see the strength of the Big Ten, rooting for the conference to do well. And as much as it pains me as well, Mel Tucker is doing a good job with that program. Yeah. Oh, man, that, that's going to be such a stressful week when we finally get to that. Um, all right. While we're still talking college football, something that I think the ripple effects are going to impact Michigan. USC has fired Clay Helton. Um, the reason that I think this could impact Michigan is, A, they have a five-star cornerback committed in Domani Jackson that uh, is a a good friend of Will Johnson, the five-star cornerback that we have committed. They said they want to play together. He has Michigan in his top three. He's only talking to USC, Alabama, and Michigan at this point, and he was in attendance at the maze out. So uh, this this could have some effects, and man, if we can land a pair of five-star cornerbacks, this, I'm in. This game this past weekend was a complete effort, as we touched on earlier, from the fans, from the program, administration, everybody. And that's going to trickle down to recruiting. They saw all of you all come out and support and be loud, the culture of the team, just the environment, and then the victory, More important, most importantly of all. So, yeah, if we can swing this, coupled with the Clay Helton firing coming at the chef's kiss perfect time right after this game, this would be fantastic and a big uptick in recruiting. Is It feels like it's on the way. Yes. And the other part of this is, you know, this could be a domino effect. One of the top candidates and the odds on favorite to take the job would be James Franklin, current Penn State head coach, who, as it sits right now, has, I believe, the number two recruiting class in the nation for 2022. So if he up and leaves and heads for USC, A, you're going to lose some of those recruits. Maybe some of them come to Michigan, maybe not. I don't know which guys were in on us and which guys weren't but that's going to make our path a little bit easier. And I do not want the number two recruiting class in the nation headed to Penn state. So uh, this could be something that, uh, that just the ripple effects continue to benefit Michigan potentially. What's more painful of the day brunch with James Franklin or chafing at a petting zoo. Uh, I I would, Ooh, (laughs) give me brunch. Give me brunch with James Franklin. It's, it's tough, man. Like just, Every time he speaks and the certain things he says just doesn't make any sense. Like he's a hell of a recruiter. That's indisputable. But his coaching and just like the way he interacts with other human beings sometimes really makes me question things. Yeah, he's a dense block of cheese of a man. I just don't think there's much I think there's much depth to him as a person. And like the way that he's always picking fights with the fans and his players, like, I don't know. He just rubs me the wrong way. I don't like looking at him. He's the complete opposite of Brett Bielema. Like, I want to be at Brett Bielema's barbecues. I want to I want to watch this man hone his skills on a grill. Yeah. I don't want to be around James Franklin. I feel like he'd just be yelling at his wife to make sure people are using coasters. <laughs> Whereas Bielema's just got some fire brisket. 
going yeah, he's around like, the party. Be- beer on the table, guys. We're drinking just straight Budweiser here. I'm like, yeah, Brett Bielema, good hang. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh, better hang than Franklin, 100%. Absolutely. If you get if you get Jim Harbaugh just talking ball like in the backyard unfiltered, I'm sure it's some of the most entertaining conversation you can have. I know some people that have had beers with him like back in his um, earlier coaching days and like, yeah, said that he's just he can sit there and talk football and drink beers with the best of them. God, that just makes me so happy. I know. I want to do that. <laughs> I want to do that. But all right. Uh, anything else from around uh, college football that you wanted to touch on before we get into northern Illinois? Oh, uh, one more uh, game to watch is Indiana-Cincinnati. We're going to learn a lot in this game about what IU can do. Started off the year rough, so we'll see if they Tom Allen can get it back going. Yes, I will be watching that. Michael Penix Jr. was a guy that I was not as high on as some others around the country saying he could potentially work his way into the first round. I've never seen that. I think that was an overreaction to the COVID year last year. So you and I called that one, that Indiana was coming back down to earth on this one. Um this will be interesting, though. If they can upset Cincinnati, you know, there's already been quite a few shakeups, you know, with UCLA taking down LSU, Oregon taking down Ohio State, Texas is out. We've not, Washington's been completely knocked out of the standings. They're not coming back in. USC falling to Stanford. Like the chaos in front of us is only going to help. So, yeah, I mean, if Indiana can, can take, take down Cincinnati here, I think that'd be great for the Big Ten, great for us. I think so as well. And just, Big Ten conference wins raise all tides, raise Michigan's ceiling so you can beat people because too frequently, like Washington, for example, blows it to Montana. That could have been a ranked win for Michigan, and now it wasn't. So need other teams to do their part to really bolster Michigan's resume. Oh, I do have uh, one other thing I want to touch on. Iowa, Iowa State. Uh, mm-hmm. A, how good is Iowa potentially? Kirk Ferentz, who's been there since I was born, I believe, signed like a 40-year contract and will be there until they, you know, pave over his body. But, I mean, give it, give props to him. And on the other side of it, Matt Campbell, the guy that I came on record and said I would have hired him this year, um, now 0-5 against his chief rival. So grass isn't always greener. And had to bench Brock Purdy in that game, you know, their potential – first round draft pick quarterback and they, they looked out of sorts. So I don't know, Iowa state, they may, uh, they might not be as good as people thought they were this year. Looked very rough and Kirk Ferentz is doing what he always does. Like he's always like a, a good, but not great team. But then he has that one great season. Like a few years ago, they went undefeated up until the big 10 championship lost and then lost to Christian McCaffrey and Stanford in the Rose. So it's like, this is what he does. He keeps them middling right around eight wins every year. And then he has this big ascension year. I was a tough out, man. They're a very good team and one of the best teams in the Big Ten and the country. Yeah, that defense is legit. And yeah. Big Ten really getting back to their roots this year with several really good defenses. And it's going to be so interesting because now Ohio State is the outlier. They went all offense because that's the way things have been going. Um, but you still need to play defense. And I can't wait to watch this year unfold with, you know, some really good defenses, a couple really potent offenses. It's a good mix. Big Ten's wide open, man. Would you rather hang out with Ryan Day or Brian Kelly? Oh, tough hangs either way. I, I mean, my my gut tells me Ryan Day is probably okay, uh, <laughs> but he just looks like he's constantly smirking at you. Like, I don't know, he looks like a kid that just put a whoopee cushion under the teacher's seat. 
or something. And I, I don't know. I hate the look of him. I don't want to hang out with either. Can I throw myself off a bridge? Yeah, I think that's where we're going to have to land here. Like, just can we just do that? Can we take an NCAA sanction or something? Like, yeah. <laughs> I think I think I'd just choose Ryan Day because Brian Kelly just Probably. looks too much like a, like a leprechaun gremlin, and I can't feed him after midnight. So it's just I'm just gonna. I would bite the bullet just hang out with Day. I think just some youth, youth yeah. for me. Especially since Brian Kelly actually wants to make his kids bite a bullet and has he threatened wants to, to execute kill his them. Team. He wants to execute his kids. I know he was trying to make a joke, but it just shows that the guy isn't funny. The complete opposite of Norm Macdonald, RIP, just delivery was completely off. And it's like, yeah, hey, come play off. at Notre Dame. I might kill you. Yeah. It's like, ah, <laughs> all right, Brian. That's an odd, <laughs> that's an odd route to choose, but you do you. <laughs> Yeah, oh, uh, tough hang either way. All right, man, let's uh, let's get into Northern Illinois here, and then we'll end with some pro blue stuff. Northern Illinois, one and one after kind of a surprising opening victory over Georgia Tech and Miles Spider-Sims. That's a rough go for them. And uh, and then last week, uh, they, they lost to, oh, excuse me, I have Wyoming in a close, close game. So both of their games, they've played them tight. Like, they came down to the wire um, the first game against Georgia Tech being more of a defensive game where they were able to run the ball. And in the second game was an offensive explosion against Wyoming. So don't really know what to make of them other than we're going to beat the brakes off of them. Yeah. Georgia Tech, Tennessee Tech, West Virginia Tech, Michigan by 40. That's gonna, <laughs> like, not too worried about them, but the biggest narrative around this game for me personally is Rocky Lombardi re- returning to the big house where last season Michigan made Lombardi look like John Elway when he played for Michigan State. Yeah, that's not going to happen again. Uh, he threw through three picks last week against Wyoming, and that's Wyoming. Um, no, no, nothing like that. When you're coming into the Michigan atmosphere, it's going to be a totally different animal for him. Aiden Hutchinson's going to be all up on his grill early on. I don't even think he's going to finish this game. It's going to be very tough, man. Northern Illinois won their first game in two years, opening up with Georgia Tech and against our former boy Spider Sims. And this is going to be such a talent jump as well from Wyoming and Georgia Tech coming into a big house, fresh off that Washington blood still on the teeth. So, um, it's going to be a beating. It's going to be a good game for them to open things up, try some things. There'll be some Michigan mistakes because I think they're going to allow themselves to take those chances to grow from them. So I don't anticipate a perfect, clean performance. I want to see the ugly, the experimentation, because that's what you do against lesser opponents. Yeah, I could see something where you start out running the ball, doing what you do, but you get up by two scores, and then I think you are going to see them try to get Cade McNamara into a rhythm with these receivers because they're not dumb. They know against Wisconsin here and against Michigan State coming up in not too long, we're going to have to throw the ball. They get it. So they will probably try to open things up a little bit, see what they have with A.J. Henning, maybe experiment with him returning punts. I expect that. I like your call earlier that we'll probably see some Donovan Edwards in this you know he's probably a back that you're gonna see in the games that they know they've got you can play him four times and still redshirt him so i I think you'll see him all four times and and uh continuing the theme of earlier i want to see some more guys off the bench defensively i mean there's a lot of guys like Braden mcgregor now's about your time like we Mm -hmm. haven't really seen much of him and i would say it's about time for him to start getting on the field so some of these other guys can they start working working their way into the lineup Junior Colson's already shown that he's coming. And, you know, that was my lock of the year. So he he's coming. But who else? Who else of these young guys is ready to step up on defense? 
Yeah, see some more from the secondary, some more from the corner positions rotating in and out. Now this is uh, this will be a fun game to watch, but I think regardless, Michigan wins by minimum twenty five. I bet the cover, uh, and the cover was at I think I got in on it twenty four. Okay, so I think it's like twenty seven now. I think it's up to twenty seven. Yeah, so I, I that's a tough cover. Um, yeah. I, I've got it. I called last week's game pretty close. I had it at thirty one seventeen. I gave Washington a little bit too much credit. Uh, so this week I'm gonna go. I got it at fifty one thirteen. Fifty one thirteen. Okay, I got Michigan this week. Very similar. We're going to go 55 to 10. A little more on each end. 10 points, fine. But it's going to be, we're, we're in for a treat of an afternoon in Ann Arbor. Oh, I can't wait to be there, man. Yeah, I'd say come find us, but I don't know where we're going to be. We're going to be wandering aimlessly drinking. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll be those two. Yeah, that's, that's what we do best. Um, probably Budweiser because we're Americans. And it's going to be a great afternoon. It's going to be glorious, man. Uh, what's the weather going to be at the big house next week? Oh, I'll pull it up real quick. Pull it up real quick while I uh, bring in some pro blue notes to end it with. Obviously, uh, Tom Brady, the Pharaoh, started us off in the NFL with the victory uh, over the Cowboys. Pretty good game there. But uh, some other notes that I had watching football this last week. Devin Bush is back looking fully healthy. And uh, with Chris Wormley on that Pittsburgh defense that's another defense uh, that we can bring up as our most fun Michigan watches because I really enjoyed seeing both of those guys on the field for Pittsburgh that was awesome Devin Bush channeling his Twitter angst on the field is very welcome to see yeah I'm glad there's games now less time for him to be on the socials maybe <laughs> maybe pump the brakes take a and- player or two off on the socials <laughs> Ann Arbor this weekend low of 57 high of 77 partly cloudy Let's go. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, that sounds like football weather to me, sir. I'm going to be there. Uh, other notes. David Long, first career interception. Been there for a minute now. I'm pretty sure he was in the same recruiting class as Andrew Vestardis, but he's been in the NFL for like three years now. So really good to see him uh, finally break through on a really talented Rams team. That was pretty awesome to see. Always, Always been a fan of David Long. It's very welcomed. He's playing alongside Jalen Ramsey, the best corner in football. And he seems to really be thriving now and coming into his own, which is welcomed because we never really saw him get tested. I mean, I believe he had the stat with PFF, like he had the lowest passer rating when thrown at in 2017 or 2018. So it's nice to see him really explode now or begin to. Yes, most definitely. Uh, Speaking of exploding, the Josh Uche hype train is rolling in uh, New England. He had his first career sack. Him and Winovich, I don't think Winovich actually played in that game, but I think he should be back here. So we're going to get to see that a lot this year. Uh, I'm going to be watching Patriots games. It's official. Like Uche looks like the absolute real deal. Could be a double-digit sack guy there. So count me all the way in. Josh Uche looks like the guy that angrily reads Bible scripture to you before killing you. Like, that's just what it looks like. <laughs> what, when have you encountered that guy? <laughs> Jules Winfield? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. He looks See? like Jules Winfield. Yeah, he just reads that to you, and it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to die. Or it's like you're, like, running your mouth to him, and he's just, like, reciting the Lord's Prayer. And you're like, oh, he's going to kill me. Okay. That's all you had to say, Jules Winfield. <laughs> see, it makes perfect sense. Josh Uche, just killer on the field, man. I love to see him doing this. And for a guy that was never a just full-time starter at Michigan, really. 
No, no, not really. Just used as a specialist. I think that's how they're going to use him. But double-digit sacks, very much on the table for Josh Uche in year two. Uh, on the flip side of that thing, Taylor Lewan allowed five sacks versus Chandler Jones against the, the Cardinals. And uh, look, he got into some trouble for some like doping scandal. Comes back, no dope, much like... Um, Oh, Lattimore in the yeah. program. No like, dope. <laughs> yeah, no dope. And like, he just can't hang anymore. So I don't know. Taylor Lewan after an injury, the doping scandal thing, like he might be on the decline there, but he was never one of my favorite Wolverines personally. Yeah, I was never super high on him. He always felt like a, like a super, super diet Jake Long. And it was just never lived up to it. And it was just like, he was fine. He was a solid left tackle. Maybe it def- I'm, I'm probably underselling it a little bit. He was good. He's, really but he's good. N- never Jake Long and just kind of rubbed you the wrong way off the field sometimes. Although I did like when um, Josh Norman was like trying to fight him one time after a game. And Luan was like, just, just stop, dude. Yeah. Corner, I, I would rip you in half. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like I would never say any of this to Taylor Luan's face because he could actually eat you. Yeah, yeah, he would not read you Bible scripture first. <laughs> no, no, he would just eat you before you can finish your sentence. A horrifying man. So rough start for him, but hopefully he can get it back on track. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I always pull for the Michigan guys, and uh, I did not watch the beatdown of Green Bay, but a lot of Michigan guys going in that one. Uh, Cesar Ruiz getting the better of John Runyon Jr. and Rashawn Gary, though. Man, that was uh, that was the worst loss Aaron Rodgers has ever taken. If you want to t- tell me that that guy's done now and like we won't be seeing or hearing anymore from him, I'd be all on board. Forget I wouldn't mind. Guy. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. You know, as Brady guys, I feel like it's hard to be completely pro Brady and like not anti Rodgers because of just the fan discourse. So it's just kind of couple like coupled together. So you know, watching him throw two picks on three throws felt nice. Oh, His good. family doesn't even like him. He has the worst-looking man bun of anyone. Shailene Woodley is like an actress that's completely forgettable. And of all the actors he could have chose to hang out with in Hawaii, it was Miles Teller, who's one of my like least liked actors too. Like I put them on the same page. So yeah, yeah, my favorite part of Whiplash is when J.K. Simmons just kept hitting him in the face and slapped him in the face. I wish J.K. Simmons would slap Aaron Rodgers in the face. I'd pay good money for that. <laughs> wish he'd slap me in the face. That man's That's a treasure. True. I would <laughs> let J.K. Simmons backhand me too if he wanted. <laughs> For the business side of the hand. Exactly. So now, so Aaron Rodgers has digressed with throwing a lot of interceptions, dating C-listers, and has bad hair. Yeah. Tom Brady can't so, relate. Can't relate. <laughs> Wouldn't know anything about it. Oh, you mean man. I'm 44, still dating a babe, great hair, throwing bombs? Okay. Yeah, I am starting to believe that maybe he's got some stem cells being funneled in through the mail or something that he's huffing. Like, it doesn't make sense that he keeps getting younger and better looking. His hair yeah. was not always that good looking either. No, I mean, there, I mean, he's, he, I mean, has to be experimenting with like weird fruits or like consuming like placenta from like 84. It's just <laughs> <laughs> that's been frozen in a lab somewhere. Do you know who this belongs? This was Ronald Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's what I'm going to assume he's doing is that he's crunching up the bone marrow of Ronald Reagan and that's what's keeping him looking young. <laughs> this is snorting it. It's gone off the rails at this We're point. I love it. God bless the people that get this far in our conversations. <laughs> it always falls off the rails at the end. But that's... mentioned placenta and Ronald Reagan in the same sentence in 2021. Who hasn't? <laughs> all right man any other football notes uh anything about this northern illinois game before we get out of here oh wait wait, wait. Uh, i've I've got one i've got one give me a player of the game offense defense we haven't done that in a while give me a player of the game for this coming week player of the game Cade mcnamara 
I think he's going to have a good bounce back game. May not have big numbers, but I could see multiple touchdown passes just to prove a point. Shut some people up. Let them know the kid's still got the moxie. Kid's still got the juice. Defensively, give me uh, Brad Hawkins. Finally brings in an interception. He's been close in two games. Now, now's yeah. the time to do it. Yeah, we really. You're absolutely right. He's had his hands on two balls back to back games. He's got to start. <laughs> well, that that uh, that came out wrong. But you know what I meant. He's gotten his hands on yes. Yes. passes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're not even drinking. It's like noon. <laughs> It's a Wednesday. <laughs> it's a Wednesday. Uh, but he's got to start reining those in, and those need to be interceptions in the future. So I like that. I like those picks. Um, yeah, on offense, I still think that uh, they are probably going to want to run the ball, and that's going to be the identity here. Northern Illinois, not good stopping the run either. Um, so I will uh, – yeah, I, I really want it to be what you just said, but I want to go a little different here. Eric All is a guy that you and I are really Love starting that. to get in on, so I'm going to keep pushing that narrative. He's going to have a breakout game at some point. So I'll go there. I don't necessarily think he'll be the most impactful guy in the day, but just for the narrative of that. And then um, on defense, I think uh, I think you're absolutely right. We're going to have a turnover. Give me Junior Colson. Your boy. Turnover. Give me my boy. I'm just going the all-homer team. Those are my dudes right there. And I love it, man. You've been on Junior Colson since the spring. I was even like, dude, how are you going to say he's going to play? He's a freshman linebacker, which historically never – Devin Bush didn't play as a freshman linebacker. Yeah, I was and, like, this uh, guy's different. <laughs> you, I don't know what message board you were on and crunching it up and snorting all the information, but you've nailed this kid. Yeah, yeah, that dude's coming. So I'm going to ride with him, although I do like I, – I think that our safeties are uh, – Dax Hill. I don't can't believe either of us didn't uh, didn't pick Dax Hill on that that interception. Yeah, it could happen. But just Brad Hawkins has been so close; like yes. he's been right there. So it could Hands very well balls. could be Dax Hill. I would I would love it. I would be the most excited about this team if it's Vincent Gray, though. Ooh, yeah, that like if one of those has either guy stood out. I think we've got a revolving door there of of on the secondary. I can't tell which one's better yet. Gray's been good though. Like, he's been really good tackling Better. as well. Like he's yeah. been very like apt to like get up there and get physical with people. So we'll see. It's yeah. it's nice that I mean it would be nice if somebody could stand out, but it's really nice that nobody's standing out negatively yet. Yeah, yeah, I'll agree with that. Dax Hill's still the best in coverage. So easily, and, easily. and DJ Turner starting to more reps. I'm mm -hmm. I'm seeing him on some tackles around the ball a little bit more. So improving. I want to see George Johnson ever since. Uh, Ronnie Bell, especially now, said he was giving him fits in practice. I'm like, I want to see what that kid can do. Sounds like he's sticky in coverage, just needs to be consistent. So he yeah. was on the field a little bit. Um, yeah, like I said, surprising they went with Rod Moore over him or Green Warren or Selden. But yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm all eyes on that. See who comes off the bench and let's get a turnover. I'll, I'll yeah. be looking for it in this game and hopefully uh, keep covering the spread, making me money. Who sounds like they run for city council more, Rod Moore or George Johnson? <laughs> Rod Moore, walk, run away. Why? Yeah, run it away. It's Rod Moore. Yeah, he's definitely winning a city council election sometime in the next ten years. He's like Bastardus is running next year at age thirty-five. So, well, he's got kids to feed. <laughs> he's got mortgages. Guy's been there since like two thousand six or something. I love it. <laughs> On his third coach, fifth president, like yeah. he's ready. We should have known he was going to step up when we saw he was 31. They're like, oh, of course he's going to have a great year. Grown like man that, out there. I'm like our ninth year Oregon State transfer tackle with heart issues. He, he saw the field. <laughs> he, he saw the field. <laughs> That's all I'll say about that. 
All right, man. We've gone off the rails here, but it was great, great having you back and talking football. I'm so excited to do it again next week after we can discuss uh, watching the victory in person, man. It's going to be good times. Yes, discuss it all. Hopefully people can find us, talk to us, approach us at games. Very, I mean, just want to just want to talk ball, man. Drink some beer, have a good time this weekend, enjoy a Michigan win back in Ann Arbor with all our closest friends. Uh, special shout out to Bailey D'Antoni for letting me use her home office because I was having some Wi-Fi issues. So respect there. We got this podcast out. We sure did. It's a classy looking office too. So way better than mine. I need to record here more often. Yeah, you need to rent that thing out, man. That's need nice. To buy her some wine or dinner or something, I guess. Yeah, you should probably do that too. Yeah. But all right. That's gonna do it for us here on Out of the Blue. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcast, whether that's Apple Music, Spotify, wherever. You can follow us on Twitter at Maze and Brew. I am Jared. That is Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue. <laughs>